Scriptures Are Real podcast. I'm your host, Gary Mielstein, and this is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that uh, just really come to life to us, things that make them come to life to us, things that make them really speak to us or, or uh, touch us or apply them to our lives better, because there's real power in the scriptures, and the more real they become, the uh, the more they, uh, they lend that power into our lives. Uh, typically, I am either interviewing a guest or I'm with my co-host, Lamar Newmeyer, but every now and then uh, it will be just me. And uh, this is one of those episodes that will be just me because I found that people really struggle with understanding Abraham chapter three. And uh, that is something that we're trying to read for this week in Come Follow Me. And so I just want to do this and explain it and explain it to you quickly. And it is one of those times where the scriptures really came to life for me. So I'll tell that story just a little bit. And then we'll, uh, we'll jump into explaining uh, Abraham chapter 3 in a way that I hope is helpful for you. So I, for, I taught Pearl of Great Price for a number of years, oh, probably for six years already, when I just thought, you know, I just don't feel like I'm explaining Abraham chapter 3 very well, and I'm not sure I understand it very well, and I really need to understand it. So I kept trying to sit down and just really go through it and try and map out in my mind what was happening there. And every time I did, something happened that would interrupt and would interrupt and interrupt. I was at, at Hawaii this time. I was teaching at BYU-Hawaii, and uh, my wife was pregnant with our fifth child. And it had been a complicated uh, pregnancy. She'd ended up having to be bedridden for several months and all sorts of things, and they were a little worried about the delivery. And sure enough, besides all the other complications, the placenta started to detach, and it didn't have enough fluid. So they had us drive uh, like 45 minutes to... Uh, uh, a hospital that was better than the one just in the little place where we lived. And uh, they were just going to monitor her for a while. So I brought my scriptures and some notepad and paper and so on to study this because I thought that I would probably have some time just sitting in a hospital room for quite a while. And that did turn out to be true. They hooked my wife up to the monitor and um, uh, she was pretty worn out. So she fell asleep and I sat down. And I, I prayed and read this and prayed and read this. And uh, I got this kind of little bit of an idea, but it just wasn't quite making sense. Uh, and uh, then suddenly all sorts of monitors went off and everything. And, and uh, they came rushing in. And apparently my wife's blood pressure had dropped to uh, a place that was not safe. And they were worried about her. And she was really kind of out of it. And they had to almost resuscitate her. And I mean, she wasn't dead, but they had to kind of get her woken up and going and get her heart working and uh, well and the blood flowing well and uh, so all of that happened and uh, then they felt like everything was okay and uh, they decided they were going to come and, and uh, kind of uh, induce the labor pretty soon but we had just a little while and my wife was uh, exhausted enough she fell back asleep and so I thought well that, that was all kind of crazy but maybe I can uh, work on this again and as soon as I uh, knelt down or I sat down and bowed my head and, and prayed and then opened my eyes and looked at the, the same scripture I'd been looking at. Suddenly it just made sense. Everything made sense. The things came to me. I wrote down like mad on a note paper and uh, I finished just as they came in to start the whole uh, labor process and uh, induce the labor. And I wouldn't have had any more time to write or think or put anything down, but uh, I came right when I needed it and everything made sense and it became very real to me. And so I want to try and share 
some of this there. I do have an article on this that you can find it. It was published in uh, the religious educator and in uh, a book that was kind of best of the religious educator that you can find on the religious studies center website uh, at BYU. I think it's rsc.byu.edu. And you should be able to search there and find the article that is written for other teachers. So it teaches them how to teach this, but it has all the same information on there. Plus a lot more about Egyptian astronomy and that kind of thing that we're not going to get into here. What we are going to do here, I'm going to, for those who are seeing this on the YouTube channel, I'm going to share my screen and we'll just go through the scriptures. So Abraham chapter three, which we start out with right away, uh, is about a vision that Abraham sees. And in this vision, uh, Abraham, to begin with, it, Abraham has this vision with the Urim and Thummim. He's seen this through a Urim and Thummim that he has. This is while he's still in Ur before he's left and gone to Haran or uh, Egypt or Canaan or any place like that. So this is very, very early in Abraham's prophetic life. This is probably his first real prophetic experience. And he sees the stars, uh, but it's clear that he sees stars and moon. So he sees celestial bodies or, or orbs and so on. And God tells him in verse three that some are governing ones and the greatest one is Kolob. Um, and that there are some that are greater than others. And the way that you can tell whether something is greater than something else is by the uh, amount of time it takes for a day and a year, really. So this is kind of its rotation and its ellipses and so on. But the, those that have a greater amount of time for a rotation or for an orbit um, are higher than those that have a lower one. Uh, and that's he seems to just be teaching him about this idea that there are all sorts of celestial bodies, and each one has its own amount of time that it takes to complete its journeys, right? Its rotational journey, its orbital journey, and so on. So how much time is in a day and how much time is in a year? And really what he's aiming at is the most important thing is uh, in verses six through eight. So let's read, uh, well, uh, verses six through nine. And the Lord sent it to me. <clears throat> now, Abraham, these two facts exist. And by facts, in this case, he means uh, celestial orbs. So these two facts exist. Behold, thine own eyes or thine eyes see it. It is given unto thee to know the times of reckoning and the set time, yea, the set time of the earth upon which thou standest and the set time of the greater light, that's the sun, which is set to rule the day, and the set time of the lesser light, which is set to rule the night. That's the moon. Now, the set time of the lesser light is a longer time as to its reckoning than the reckoning of the time of the earth upon which thou standest. And where these two facts exist, so where there are two celestial bodies, there shall be another fact above them all. There shall be another planet whose reckoning of time shall be longer still. So what he's saying is anytime you have two uh, celestial spheres, one of them is going to be higher than the other. And the definition of higher in this case is it's time of reckoning. Uh, how long is a day? Um, but if you have two, one is going to be higher than another. But then you can know that there's still going to be something higher than that one. And then he says, and thus shall be the reckoning of the time, one planet above another, until thou come nigh unto Kolob, which Kolob is after the reckoning of the Lord's time which Kolob is set nigh unto the throne of God to govern all those planets which belong to the same order as that upon which thou standest. So what he's basically told him is, worlds without end exist. 
but there is an order to all of them. And where one is greater than the other, you can be sure there's another one greater than that. And you can be sure there's another one greater than that on and on and on for eternity until you get to Kolob. And because Kolob is after the reckoning of the Lord's timers, the one that's closest to God, it is above all of the others and governs all the others. So that's what he sees in this first vision. This seems to be a series of two visions. And that's what he sees in this first vision, which, which uh, takes up through verse 10. Now, he's also been told um, that he's supposed to go and teach this in Egypt, or he's about to be told that. And of course, he's not being taught this because God is worried more than, you know, God's not up there saying, well, those Egyptians, they worship all sorts of uh, gods and, and goddesses, and uh, they have some fertility rites and even some human sacrifice. But what concerns me the most is they don't know their astronomy. No, he wants them, uh, I would assume, he wants Abraham to go in and teach Pharaoh, just like there is something, and the Egyptians are used to understanding astronomy. They know astronomy, and they're used to understanding astronomy in a way that teaches them religious principles. So Abraham can go down to Egypt, as is explained or, or shown on Facsimile 3, that he does so, that he's successful in this. He can go down to Egypt and teach them astronomy and then say, there's a principle behind this. And by the way, Pharaoh, you think you are the greatest and that you're semi-divine and so on. And you are more powerful than lots of, of people, but you need to know there's someone more powerful than you. And that would be Jehovah. I would guess that's what Abraham is supposed to teach him. But let's look at how we get there by seeing the next vision. So verse 11 and 12 are kind of this transition phase to the next vision. Uh, where we see it, now Abraham says, I talked with the Lord face to face as one man talketh with another. So this is no longer through the Yerman Thummim. It would seem, it would seem this is a different phase of the vision where he's seeing the Lord face to face and, and the Lord tells him all the works he's made. And he says unto me, my son, my son, and his hand was stretched out. Behold, I will show you all these. And he put his hand upon mine eyes and I saw all, or I saw those things which his hands had made, which were many. And they multiplied before mine eyes, and I could not see the end thereof. And then God goes on to make a comparison. And he says, just as I have shown you these celestial spheres and how there's always one above another until you get to Kolob, so it is with intelligences. Now, we're going to get intelligences defined later in this chapter and other places in the scripture. Intelligences are not the way we think of intelligences and IQ as in how fast your synaptic relapses fire and so on and so on, but it's the amount of light and truth you have. And God, so it's used in two different ways. One way it's used is the intelligence is that, that bit of us, which is eternal. Joseph Smith teaches us it couldn't be made and it can't be unmade. There is a part of us which has always existed. That's our intelligence. And God took that intelligence apparently and and housed it in a spirit body. And, and just as our parents house our spirits in a physical body, God took that intelligence and housed it in a spirit body. And then it has a degree of intelligence. But now we get into the secondary meaning or second definition of intelligence, which is light and truth. And God teaches Abraham that anytime you have two intelligences. One of them is more intelligent than the other, and we will define this as has more light and truth than the other. Just like it was with the stars, verse 17, it tells us like it is with the moon and the earth and a planet and a star, so it is with intelligences. So now let's get to verse 18, and then really the key of this whole verse 
is, or this whole chapter is verse 19, but let's read 18 and 19. Howbeit that he made the greater star as also if there be two spirits and one shall be more intelligent than the other. Yet these two spirits, notwithstanding one is more intelligent than the other, have no beginning. They existed before. They shall have no end. They shall exist after for they are no lam or eternal. And that's just the Hebrew word. Olam is the, the Hebrew word for eternal. And the Lord said unto me, this is verse 19. These two facts. Now we're talking about spirits or intelligences rather than planets, but it's the same idea. These two facts do exist. There are two spirits, one being more intelligent than the other. There shall be another more intelligent than they. I am the Lord thy God. I am more intelligent than they all. So can you see what he's doing? He's using this analogy that just like anytime you have two spirits or two, two planets, one is higher than the other until you get to the one that's, that's closest to me. And that one is higher than all of them. He says, anytime you have two intelligences, one is more intelligent or two spirits, one is more intelligent than the other until you get to me. But I am more intelligent than they all. And we understand later that this is because he possesses a fullness of light and truth. We can read more about light and truth in section 50 and section 93 and John chapter one and some other great places as well. Um, but 50 and 93 are really great places, but Abraham three is a really important place for this. Now let's skip down to verse 22. If we're really going to understand, because that's great for uh, God to have taught Abraham about that, right? Uh, even if nothing else had learned, uh, it was learned in this chapter. If we only went through verse 19, we've still learned some profound things that, there, there's different degrees of uh, possessing light and truth, but God is more intelligent or has more light and truth than all of us because he has a fullness of light and truth. And so in a way, the point of this chapter is to teach us about our relationship with God. But now let's look at what we start to get in, um, in verse 22. In verse 22, he says, now the Lord showed unto me, Abraham, the intelligences that were organized before the world was. Now, this is the verse that we focus on more than any other verse in the book of Abraham. This is the most clear verse we have about pre-mortal pre -mortal existence. All right. But it, it, there's more to it than this, although that's certainly an important part. So he says, he shows him the intelligences that were organized before the world was. And among all these, there were many of the noble and great ones. And God saw these souls that they were good. And he stood in the midst of them. And he said, these, I will make my rulers. For he stood among those that were spirits. And he saw that they were good. And he said unto me, Abraham, thou art one of them. Thou was chosen before thou was born. So basically he's saying, before the world was created, you were already intelligences and you already had some that were more intelligent than others or had more light and truth than others. And I took those that had the greatest light and truth. And I said, I will make them my rulers. This is for ordination, right? These are the people that I know have a great degree of light and truth. And so they will go down and do what I'm asking them to do. And we'll talk about why that happens as we get along, because it's going to be explained as, as we go along here. So we have to ask ourselves now, why were some spirits more intelligent than others? Why did they have more light and truth than others? Well, the answer to how that happened in pre-mortality is the same answer as to how that will happen in mortality and post-mortality. So let's keep going to understand this. Verse 24, and there stood one among them that was like unto God. And he said unto those who were with him, we will go down for there is space there and we will take of these materials and we will make an earth whereon these may dwell 
and we will prove them herewith to see if they will do all things whatsoever the Lord their God shall command them. Now, proving them to see if they'll do all things that, that God would command them is not because God doesn't know. It's because the process is necessary. And look at the next verse, verse 26. And they who keep their first estate shall be added upon. And they who keep not their first estate shall not have glory in the same kingdom with those who keep their first estate. And they who keep their second estate shall have glory added upon their heads forever and ever. Now, glory, we learn the glory of God is intelligence, or in other words, light and truth. So all of these are synonyms for the same thing. So what he's telling us is there are some who will have glory or more intelligence added to them, and there are some who will not and will lose that. But those who do have that glory or intelligence added to them and come down to the second estate and do well there, will continue to receive intelligence, or in other words, light and truth forever and ever. And so if we were to read section 50 or section 93, we, re- we see that it's until they receive a fullness of truth, like the Father and the Son have. And so if we put all of this together, really the point of the entire chapter is for us to understand, using planets as an analogy for us as spirits, that there is always something that is above and below any given planet. There is always, for any given spirit, there are spirits that have more light and truth and those that have less light and truth, but we are not stuck to take our planetary orbit and borrow from uh, a chemistry, or uh, uh, I mean, our planetary model or analogy and, and borrow from a chemistry analogy or model. We have the ability to jump orbits. We have the ability to move from whatever sphere we are in to a higher sphere and then a higher and a higher and a higher. And we can keep moving for forever until we receive a fullness of light and truth, or in other words, until we can be at Kolob or with God and be like God and have all the light and truth like he has all light and truth. That's the beauty of this. That's the absolute beauty of this, that really, in the end, this entire chapter is about our relationship with God and to demonstrate to us how much higher and holier he is than us, but also that he desires for us to join him there. If you go back to our podcast, uh, no, I think it's forward to our podcast. It's in a little while. We have a podcast uh, about uh, God as our king. Uh, but how universally he wants to share this with us. That, that's one that's worth exploring some more, uh, how he wants to share everything he has with us. That, so listen to that podcast, uh, that episode. That's, that's a fantastic thing to explore. But, um, but it starts here. Uh, and I, I, this is interesting because Abraham chapter 1 is about God's relationship with Abraham. Abraham chapter 2 is about the Abrahamic covenant, which we'll cover in a little while. But that is that the Abrahamic covenant is about our relationship with God. And now Abraham chapter three, we see is about our relationship with God and how he wants us to have a closer relationship with him and become one with him like the savior is. So really the theme of the book of Abraham is having a relationship with God and increasing that relationship with God. That's beautiful stuff. And of course, how do we increase that relationship with God? Um, How do we jump orbits? It's all in verse 27. And the Lord said, who am I? Or the Lord said, whom shall I send? And one answered like unto the Son of Man, here am I, send me. Now, the rest of this verse and the next verse is about another one who uh, does it, but God doesn't choose him, and so he's upset, and he doesn't keep his first estate, and of course, that's Satan. But the key to this is, because Christ volunteered to come, all of this is true. 
we can jump orbits. We can increase our light and truth that we have, and we can approach God and be with him and be godly or Christ-like or be like them. That's beautiful, important stuff. That's very real to me, and it makes my relationship with God more real and more powerful, and I hope it does for you as well. And I, I testify that it's true in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.